Music, you know that? That is a beautiful song. Uh, Alex, you in particular, you sound really good. Uh, good morning, everybody. We are very glad that you're here. Uh, there's about 250 people in the room, so if you ever wondered what 250 people look like, this is what it looks like. So you can count if you want to make sure we're right, but uh, that's about what it is before the kids left. Um, anyway, we're very glad you're here. Uh, we got a couple things that we want to uh, talk to you about before we get started this morning. And one of the things that we want to uh, just, just make sure that we acknowledge is that we are very privileged to have the Spanish service, which typically meets down the hallway at the same time. Sometimes you can hear uh, singing down the hallway, wafting from the hallway this way. Uh, but we're very glad to have them in the room with us. So bienvenidos. We're glad uh, that you're here. That is also the extent of my Spanish. So there you go. You heard the whole vocabulary. Uh, but thank you, thank you for being a part of what we're trying to, uh, to do today. Um, the other thing that we wanted to remind, especially the, the younger crowd of, is we have these sermon note pages that are printed out and in the back, and you can take uh, notes during the sermon. You can write stuff during the sermon, and you may even doodle a little bit on the side. But if you want to write notes during the sermon, they're back there with pens and pencils. And also, a little extra incentive, if you turn in your sermon note pages to the youth group over here, they have a prize that they're going to give you after the service. So when we're done, if you filled one out, go check out out the youth group over here and they'll give you something. You guys, you guys got that right? You guys, oh, you look real confident. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right, I'm sure that'll work out. And then uh, one last thing that I wanted to let you know about, and this is really important. Uh, obviously, people are very aware of some of the devastation that occurred in Houston uh, and looks like it's about to occur in Florida and has occurred in some of the Caribbean islands. Um, we typically every year have a Mission Sunday in November. And on that Mission Sunday, we take up a collection to help our missionaries uh, in various parts of the world. This church has done such a fantastic job of supporting that work that we do not need to take up collection for Mission Sunday this year. And I think that's fantastic. But... What we want to do, we know that there's a need, and we know that churches who haven't been affected in the same way that those other places have need to help. So we are going to be taking up a collection uh, for Houston and Florida. We've got some people that we're partnering with in those areas to make sure that those funds get to places that are actually going to help uh, through people that we know and connections that we have. So we will take up that collection next Sunday because uh, it has to be done soon. You know, if we wait a couple of months I mean, people are, people are out of their homes and out of their jobs and out of their lives right now. So plan on next Sunday coming with a few extra dollars or uh, maybe an a, a actual check or whatever you need to do because we're going to be taking up that collection next Sunday. So we want to help, uh, help everybody out in the, in the way that we can. Um, so we are starting a brand new series. And really, it's not just a brand new series that we're kicking off. We're trying to kick off something much bigger uh, than that. A lot of you got uh, a letter, an actual old school letter that had your name on it. And how, is it, how exciting is it to get a letter in the mail? You open up the mailbox and you're like, junk mail, junk mail, junk mail. Oh, this got my name on it. And you're like, well, it's from the church. What could it be? And I know you were so excited and you went inside and you said, honey, we got a letter from the church. We're so excited. I know nobody did that. But some of you opened it up and you read, hey, we want you to be here on September 10th because we've got big stuff to announce. We've got big stuff to talk about. And a lot of you, because a lot of you are worry warts, were like, uh-oh, something bad's coming. Like we're going to mail you a letter to let you know something bad's happening. But we had people say, what's going on? Are we moving? One person said, are we moving buildings? Well, not yet. I mean, if we keep having a full house, maybe that'll be the thing we do. One person asked me, like, uh, are you going to announce that you and your wife are pregnant? I don't think we would send a letter out for that either. That's probably, 
should probably tell you, right? I mean, but one person opened up that letter and they're like, they thought it was like specifically about them, like they were going to get disfellowshipped. We want you to be here on September 10th because we got to talk to you and you're not coming back. No, it's none of those things. It's good. The only way that you're not going to like what we talk about this morning is if you don't like Jesus, right? If you don't like Jesus, then you're going to be like, I'm upset. Well, then you're in the wrong place anyway. So what we're going to talk about this morning, I think it's so important, and we're actually going to start off, we're going to, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, the, the verse that those kids read uh, this morning. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Matthew chapter 28, uh, and we're going to start in verse 18. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. For those of you that have gone to church all your lives or most of your lives, this is a familiar passage. And sometimes familiarity breeds uh, maybe a little contempt or a little apathy at best, right? Uh, where we hear something so often that we kind of forget its meaning and its impact and how fundamental and foundational it is to who we are. And that's one of these verses. This is verse is just huge and it's so important, but sometimes we've heard it so often that we kind of like miss what is going on. So we're going to read this passage, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what is happening here. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Familiar passage. Things we've heard before. But I want to point out the significance of what is happening here. And some of you are like, significance isn't everything Jesus said significant? Yes, but maybe even more so here, right? Maybe this is like even more significant than the average thing that Jesus said for for a couple reasons. One, these are his last words. This is the last thing he said to his disciples. Now, Last words can be good, they can be bad, I mean, but this is his last words. This is the last time he was going to see his disciples before he sent them off to do what they were going to do, and this is what he wanted to say to them. Those of you that have uh, teenagers, you may recall that first time that you kind of like let your teenager out into the wild. You know what I mean? You were like, oh man, I hope all that training and that education and all that discipline and all those lectures and everything that we've done, I hope that they are ready for this moment when they're going to go out unsupervised among friends, right? And you as a parent probably had a little anxiety about that moment. You were wondering, you did background checks on the friends. You had them, like if you had modern technology, you had them on your like GPS phone. You're like march, figuring out where they're going. But you were sending them out. And remember, you may have done something like this as they left the house, as they're walking out the door, you know, mom or dad is standing at the door and they're like, oh boy, I don't know, I'm not, I'm a little nervous, I'm a little worried. And you probably shouted out to them as they were leaving, make good choices, right? Like that's the last thing you want them to hear. Like if nothing else, please make good choices. And this is kind of like that for Jesus. Like, this is what I want you to do. This is the final, this is it. We've been talking and training and thinking and and, and working and doing ministry, but this is it. I'm leaving and this is what I want you to do. So it's pretty significant. The second reason it's significant, and this is something I don't know that we think about a lot, but back in verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, listen, all authority. Like, he summons everything he has for this moment, for this directive. It's like looking somebody in the eyes, grabbing them by the shoulders and saying, I want you to hear what I have to say. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And this is what I want you to do. Listen to this. 
It's like, hey, pay attention. You can talk to your kids and sometimes they're zoning out. Like, hey, pay attention. Look at me. Make eye contact with me. All authority. You know you're in trouble if you as a kid, your parent used all three names on you, right? That was all authority. They brought out all the names for you. All authority. And this is Jesus saying, all authority. This is what I want you to pay attention to. This is what I want you to do. This is important. So the bottom line is we need to understand this concept. Developing disciples is the thing. According to Jesus, developing disciples is the thing. That's the thing. That's what he wants us to be doing. Developing disciples. There's no higher calling. There's not even anything that's a close second. This is, the, this is what he spent his last words, declared all authority to say developing disciples is the thing. Now discipleship or disciples is mostly a church word. Mostly a church word. You don't hear it out in the world too much. But it's kind of like an apprentice uh, or an intern, but for life. It's like a life apprentice, a life intern. I was a, an electrician's apprentice for a very brief period of my life, um, and I didn't really learn anything. But you had to be with the guy that knew what he was doing, and you had to follow him around, and you had to do what he did, and you listened to his instruction. But this is even more than that. This is a, as if me, as a little electrician's apprentice, was going home with the electrician and observing how he raised his kids and observing how he interacted and treated his wife and observing how he, what he did for hobbies. It was like a whole life thing. It was very, and this word has a bad connotation, but it was very obsessive. It was everything that person did. So when Jesus called his disciples, he was asking them, I want you to obsessively follow me. It's like inviting a stalker into your life. I want you to stalk me. I want you to know everything about what I believe, what I think, what I do, so you can imitate me. So discipleship is this. It's obsessively following Jesus for the purpose of intentionally becoming like Jesus. Obsessively following Jesus. We want to know everything about him, everything about what he did, everything about what he taught, obsessively following Jesus for the purpose of intentionally becoming like him. Being and developing disciples is the thing. Everything else springs out of this. Our obedience, our love for others, our holiness, the blessings that we read about in Scripture, all of that springs out of this idea of following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus. There is no higher calling, nothing more important. All right, we established that. We're all on the same page. There's nothing more important than us being disciples of Jesus. There's nothing more important than us trying to encourage other people to be disciples of Jesus. Nothing. Zero. Nada. All right? Sometimes uh, I'll ask my kids to put something away um, at home. You know, hey, your shoes are out, or you left this out, book out, whatever. Actually, it's usually a lot more than a few things, a lot of things. Um, and then I'll get distracted. I'll say, hey, put your shoes away, and I'll get distracted doing something, because that's, you know, how I work. And I'll come back a few minutes later, and they won't have done it. And I'll, I'll very patiently and calmly say, uh, excuse me, you need to put your shoes away. And they'll be sitting in the chair, and I'm not talking about any kids that are here specifically, but they'll be sitting in the chair and they'll say something like, have you ever had kids do this? They'll say something like, I am doing it. And I'll be standing there looking at them and saying something like, well, maybe, but what you're doing looks exactly like not doing it. I mean, exactly. If I ask someone to play out what it would look like to not do what I ask you to do, that's what they would do. That's exactly what they would do. I am doing it. Now, here's what I think. I think what they're saying is, 
I am intending to. It is part of my to-do list. It is going to happen at some point in the future. And they'll, they'll kind of like give themselves a little credit and say something like, I am doing it. And I know we've all done that too, right? You've been on your way to do something, and then when someone else said, hey, can you do this? You were like, I, it made you not want to do it, right? I don't want to do it now, because you asked me to do it. I am doing it. This intentionality. So it's on the radar. They're getting around to it. They're in the planning phase of picking up their shoes, whatever. But let me ask you an imaginative question for a second. What would it look like if we, as a church, as a whole church, this is all of us, all skate, got obsessive and intentional about developing disciples? What would that look like? What would that look like? I want you to dream with me just for a second. Now, this may sound a little offensive. Uh, you may already consider yourself an intense follower of Jesus, but I think there's probably a lot of us in this other category who Jesus is like, hey, I, I want you to develop disciples. I want you to be disciples. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to it. I, I'm, it's on the to-do list, Jesus. Don't worry about it. I'm going to get there. And, and Jesus is saying, look, if, if, if somebody were to do the exact opposite of what I wanted them to do, it would look like what you're doing. Well, oh, it's, I'm, I, I intend to. It's going to happen. I'm getting around to it. Now, some of you may be like all over it, right? Some of you may be good. Some of you may be doing exactly what Jesus wants you to do. But some of us maybe are a little like, we're, we're a little hesitant. We know there's things in our minds that we should be doing, that we should be changing, that we should be addressing, and we're not. For whatever reason, we're not. But there is nothing more important than us being disciples and us developing disciples. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more valuable. I'm not sure if this is a feature of growing up in, uh, on the West Coast. I grew up in Oregon, and uh, I, if my life were to depend on someone saying, hey, point to the north right now, it would take me a couple minutes. I'd probably have to like, really think about it. Now, some of you know exactly where you're oriented right now, right? You know exactly where you are in relationship to the cardinal directions, north, south, east, west, right? You, some of you know that. I do not you got to tell me left, right when you're giving me directions, things like that. I remember coming to the Midwest, helping somebody move, and uh, I was carrying a box. I walk into the house, and they're like, hey, uh, put that in the northwest corner of the living room. <laughs> northwest corner of the living room? What am I, some like sailor of the seas, and i got to get my compass out, and i got to figure out where is the north? I, it was like a multiple choice test. I just picked a corner, and I'm like, oh. 25% isn't too bad. Northwest corner. Are you kidding me? I'll take those odds. It's kind of like if we wanted to go to Disneyland, I don't suppose you'd want to go there right now, but if you wanted to go to Disneyland and you just said, well, I'll head south and see what happens. I mean, that's a good start for the first couple hundred feet, maybe, first couple miles, but pretty soon you're going to need some specific directions. You're going to need something more intentional, something more direct. And I feel like a lot of us, in terms of our discipleship or in terms of our following Jesus, and I'm including myself, are kind of like, well, I'm heading in that general direction. But I'm asking the question, what if we got a specific address? What if we as a church knew exactly what we were aiming for? And rather than just shooting at the general direction of the target, we were aiming at the bullseye. What if? What if we wanted to make dinner? Hey, my plan, I just throw some stuff in a pot, hope for the best. I don't know. But what if we followed a recipe? 
What if we actually read Jesus' words about discipleship and said, hey, let's do those things rather than saying, oh, yeah, let's kind of do this. Or worse, rather than saying, hey, Jesus, uh, Jesus telling us, can you make disciples? Can you be disciples? And us saying, yeah, we're getting around to it, Jesus. Don't worry. We've got it. It's coming. It's on the to-do list. We're in the planning phase. We'll get around to it eventually. What if we actually did it? What if we actually did it? What if we individually and collectively actually said, you know what, I, me, personally, am going to be part of this movement of discipleship. I am going to do this. Instead of just driving south, I'm going to drive to specific coordinates. What would it look like if we got everyone focused on this? And we'll talk about that just a little bit more in a second. Like laser focused on discipleship. Laser focused on what it meant to follow Jesus. What would happen if we were all like obsessed and intentional and we were all moving in the same direction? Wow, I think some amazing things could happen. I uh, drive a 1992 Toyota Tercel. And it is a fancy car. It is so fancy that you, like, we don't, I don't have buttons to roll down my windows. I got to do this motion, right? And I got to, like, if, if I'm in a hurry, I don't have power steering. And so if I got to make a tight turn, you'll see me, like, you know, trying to, like, move this thing. It's a fancy car. Now, I'm thankful for it. I am thankful for it. Uh, when I first got it, um, I, I thought I was in a little bit of trouble because uh, it's a little tiny car. Like Jordan drives a Prius and my car makes his Prius look like an SUV. Like it's just this giant thing. It's just this little tiny car. Uh, so when I first was driving it around, took it out on the highway and I was like, I am in trouble because this is true. I, I'm not kidding you. Um, a, an elderly woman driving a Buick got road rage at me because I was driving too slow. <laughs> this is true. Because I had the pedal to the metal, and there was a teeny tiny incline, and my speedometer went from like 45 to like, mm, and I'm like, please, let's go faster. You know, I got, I've got semis honking and passing. And I remember this little, I'm sure she was a wonderful person, old lady in a Buick, drives past me and looks over at me like there's something wrong with me as a human being. Like, what is wrong with you? You are doing 30 miles an hour on the highway. Like, look, giving me this look. And I was like, oh, man, I am in so trouble, so much trouble. I would apologize. They couldn't hear me, but I would apologize to people. I'd be like, I'm really sorry. This is as fast as I can go. I'm really, and I would do that gesture as they were going by. I'd be like, I can't. This is as fast as the car goes. It's the car. It's not me. I'm trying. I promise you, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. But I'm a silver linings kind of guy. And I would think, well, hey, you know what, Patrick? At least you're never going to get another speeding ticket. I know there is such a thing as a too slow ticket, and I might have been eligible for that. But I was never going to get another speeding ticket. And I also thought, you know what? God is teaching you patience. It's going to take you three hours to get 15 minutes, what normally would be 15 minutes. But God is teaching you patience. And I was okay with it. I was just putting along, you know. My next, uh, my across the street neighbor, rather, is a, a car whisperer. He's a car genius. And I was driving home, you know, top speed, 15 miles an hour, RPMs all the way. And I pull up into my uh, driveway, and he comes out, and he's like, hey, uh, your, your car doesn't have very much power. <laughs> oh, is that the problem? Oh, I didn't know, right? And from across the street, just by hearing the car, he says, I think you have some spark plugs out. Now me, zero knowledge about cars. I was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking some spark plugs. <laughs> and he said, yeah, you have some spark plugs. So I'm Googling what are spark plugs. And, uh, 
And, and then I YouTubed how to change spark plugs. And you will be happy to know I changed my own spark plugs. This, this car has four of them. And about three of them weren't working. I was, I was not, I was, riding mowers could go faster than me, right? It was like a push mower that somebody feeble was pushing. That's how fast I was going. I changed those spark plugs. I feel like I'm in the Indy 500, man. <laughs> My top speed is still about 45, but I'm like, it only takes me a half an hour to get there now. Like, I felt like I was going so fast. I felt like I had so much power. I felt like, wow, the, the world has changed. Like, I used to literally, this is true, I used to leave the church parking lot, and then I'd be like, hmm, there's somebody about, uh, looks like three miles down the road, so I better wait till they pass, otherwise they're going to hate me and the church by extension, because, oh, who came out of that church parking lot? I just felt like, I felt like Ricky Bobby. I mean, it's still a Tercel, I get that, but I felt like I was driving a new car. And, and so, yes, let, let, let me say this. Maybe for you, following Jesus is, is like, you're, you're, it's like driving that car. You're putting along, and you're heading in the right direction. You're doing the things you should be doing. But Jesus is like, hey, let's, let's get a tune-up here. Let's get some spark plugs in this thing. Let's fix this thing up so we can actually really get revving. And that's what we're talking about as a church. What if we as a church, like said, let's get the specific coordinates. Let's head in the right direction. And let's do this with some enthusiasm and some energy. Let's do this. This discipleship, this is the most important thing that we can do with our lives. Our love for others, our obedience, our holiness, all that stuff spring out of that relationship with Jesus Christ. So what if we said, this is the most serious thing in my life. This is the thing I'm going to devote my life to. What if we as a church said, we are all working together to, in one another, produce and develop discipleship in one another? What if we said that? I think some amazing things could happen. I think some amazing things could happen. What if we got this obsessive, intentional uh, uh, outlook about developing disciples? Um... We have, Jordan and I, uh, and I want to make sure Jordan gets the credit. Jordan has been thinking about this topic for over a year. Like a year ago, he was bugging me about like, hey, what if we did something along discipleship? And I was like, oh, sounds good. Keep working on it. And he's been working on it, working on it, working on it. Over a year, we've been praying, thinking, studying, like what would it look like for our whole church to go on this journey? What would that look like? And so we have been working and working and working on this for, to introduce this idea today. To say, we as a church want to say our goal, our purpose, our vision for our church, for our individuals, is to develop disciples. And that's what you're going to hear from now on. We're not talking about our theme for this year, this month. We're not talking about discipleship uh, for this series. We're talking about from now on, as a church, we are going to focus on one thing. And that is to develop disciples of Jesus Christ. And that includes us, by the way as well as other people around us. So we've been thinking about this. We've been praying about We've been asking lots of guidance and direction from our elders, saying, what do you think? Here's some thoughts. And they've been helping us like, figure out what this looks like. And so there's this huge kind of comprehensive vision for what this looks like for the church. And you're just hearing the tip of the iceberg this morning. But what this looks like for everything. And we, we hear from the elders, and we do more praying and more studying and more expending, experimenting and more talking with the elders. And we're just trying to do our best to fully and practically understand what Jesus wanted from his disciples and thus what Jesus wants from us. You may have noticed, I don't know how much attention you pay, um, I asked the, the youth group a while back, like, hey, can you think of a lesson I taught in youth group in the last year? And it was like crickets, like, eh. And then they, you know, one person would be like, oh, you taught about Jesus, right? Yes, yes, I did. Good. It's a safe answer. 
Um, but you may have noticed uh, this year, one of the things we were doing in preparation for this, what we wanted to talk about September 10th, 2017, is we've been preaching focused on Jesus all this year. We've been trying to like identify and understand who Jesus was. And so every Sunday we've been talking about a sermon, a sermon centered around who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. I mean, everything's been around that to get us to this point. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be making this case for five markers of discipleship. And you can kind of begin to see them on the banners here. But five um, asks for everybody in the church. Five, uh, for lack of a better word, things that we're wanting everybody to do. What if we change the spark plugs? What if we got the specific coordinates? What if we focused on this just with all of our might and all of our ability? Chop, top to bottom, entire change. So let, let's talk about this real quick. What, if we, what would it look like to get everyone focused on being a disciple? What would it look like to get everyone focused on being a disciple? And I'm talking about from Liam to Leon, right? That's a pretty age, broad age range. Liam is my five-year-old son. What would it look like for us as a church to say, you know what, we want to take these young kids who, who are just open and ready to be taught and ready to be ready to learn. And we want to say, we want to begin you this, on this process of what it means to be a disciple, to understand there's nothing more, more important in your life than this calling. And you may have been a Christian for, I don't know, you may have a single digit security, a social security number. You may have been a Christian forever. And we still want to know what it means for you to be a disciple of Jesus, for you to be on this pathway following Jesus? What does it look like for someone who's been a Christian for, for decades? So we want everybody to be a part of this. We live in a hockey state, right? If you don't get your kid on the ice at 18 months, he might as well not play hockey, right? I mean, if, if that's how much we value some of those things, shouldn't we value that same thing in our children? Shouldn't we value that same thing in our adults? Discipleship is an ongoing process, constant refinement. So the things we're going to talk about just briefly, we're going to go through briefly, are not boxes we check. They're things we continuously do and we continuously get better at. And then the second thing, what, it would, what would it look like if everything was centered around the process of developing disciples? What does this mean for youth group? What, what changes do I need to make when I interact with the teens? What does this mean for men's ministry? What does this mean for kids' classes? What does this mean for small groups? One of the things you're going to hear is we're changing small groups. I know this is a minor superficial change, but we're changing the name of small groups from life groups to disciple groups. And some people are like, nope, never going to do that. I hate change so much. I'm never going to say it any different. But the goal is that those groups are places in which we become disciples or we get discipled. And so we want to, we want to focus on everything, moving everything in that direction. So you're going to, disciple groups actually start up today. And if you don't know what that is, then you need to talk to somebody. You need to ask me, talk to Jordan. But there are area, places where you can find relationship to get discipled. We're not reinventing the wheel. This is not going to be anything new. But real quickly, I want to walk through what these five things are just very quickly as we, as we talk about this. So five things that we're asking everybody in church to do. Number one, uh, and if you've been around Churches of Christ for very long, this is not going to be a surprise, but disciples follow Jesus into the water. That's, that's something every disciple does, something Jesus did, something that when you study the book of Acts, you're going to see happen over and over and over and over. Disciples follow Jesus into the water. So Liam, he may be five and he may not be ready to follow Jesus into the water yet, but we're going to start planting that seed and that idea, like saying this is what disciples eventually do when you're ready to understand what that means and what that looks like. Disciples follow Jesus into the water. And we ask everybody 
to, to join Christ on that journey. Disciples follow Jesus into the water. Disciples also connect with other disciples. The sense of fellowship and relationship is deep, and you can see that over and over and over again in Scripture. Disciples connect with other disciples, that we look to one another for, for encouragement, and we look to one another for advice and, and for how to do life. We're discipling one another. Disciples don't attend. It's not just about coming and sitting in a, in, a, in a row and listening to somebody talk about this. Disciples don't just attend. They don't attend. They engage. It's about us being involved and saying, you know what, I'm going to help out. I'm going to pitch in. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to volunteer. Disciples share their faith by sharing their lives. That we understand that, that discipleship isn't something where we can say, hey, you go be a disciple, but we have to invite people into our lives in order to see that process to fruition. Disciples share their faith by sharing their lives. And then the final one is disciples are being transformed into the image of Jesus. And that's what it's all about. And we use the, the language intentionally that God is the one transforming us, the Spirit of God working through a variety of means, transforming us into the image of Jesus. Everything everyone on this journey, what would that look like? I'm kind of excited about this. Um, for years, for years, I have asked myself this question. I'll be driving to church. This happens all the time. I'm on my way to church. And I'll say, I'll say like, God, we, I want to be part of a church family that is vibrant and growing. And there are so many parts of this church family that I love and that I think are doing that. But I pray, I pray all the time, like, God, what would it look like for us to take the next step, for us to work deeper, for us to just follow Christ on, a, on an even, even deeper level? And so I'll be driving to church and I'll be thinking this, and constantly, multiple times a week, I'll pray, God, can you please Use us as a church. Help us figure out what we need to be doing. And listen, this is important. What we need to stop doing in order for you to use us to, to reach people here, but also to reach this community. I, I, I know some people hear the idea of, of, of commitment and of discipleship and the things we talk about. They get a little nervous. Like, mm, I don't know. I kind of like keeping everything at an arm's length. That's not going to be an option. I mean, you can come and you can be part of this, but this is stuff we're going to be talking about all the time. If you're not baptized, we're going to be talking to you about getting baptized. If you're not in a disciple group, we're going to be talking to you about getting in a disciple group. If you're not sharing your faith, we're going to be talking to you about sharing your faith. If you're not, if you're not being transformed, we're going to be like, hey, what's going on? We need to, this, this is everybody. We're all in this together. And I believe, I believe God is going to use this to do incredible things. I really do. I'm not just saying that. I believe God is going to use this idea to do incredible things uh, in this church. This is our scorecard. This is the bullseye. This is, this is everything. And so here's a question I'm going to ask you as we start this journey. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. We don't use this language that often. We talk about, have you become a Christian? Are you a believer? Are you a follower? But we're going to ask this question of, like, have you ever made the decision to be a disciple of Jesus? Have you ever made that decision to say, that's who I want to be? I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And so we have defined it these, with these five things in this church. And we've got a bunch of different ways we're going to remind you of this, a bunch of goofy ways. Uh, we went and made a bunch of bracelets. And some of you are thinking, I'm never going to wear a bracelet in my life. But some of our elders have them on today. The cool elders have them on today. <laughs> Just a little peer pressure. 
And these bracelets, they say on it, develop disciples. So that's always going to be on your mind. I've been wearing one for weeks. And they have the five symbols. Here's the five things that we do, and we'll be looking for opportunities. Oh, hey, here's an opportunity to share my faith by sharing our lives. Just a constant reminder. And we'll have these to give out for you today. And maybe this isn't your thing. You're like, ah, the bracelets, they don't go with my outfit, so I'm not going to wear it. Well, fine. That's fine. We also printed up uh, uh, magnets for your refrigerator. So every time, you know, you're waking up to get a late-night snack, you're like, oh, yeah, disciples connect with other disciples. I need to make sure to get in a disciple group this week. So you'll constantly have these reminders. There are signs in the hallway. I mean, everything we do is we're going we're gonna to be reminding people to be focused around this idea. And if you have any questions, feel free to come talk to us. And we'd love to outline what that looks. But this is what it, we want it to be. This is, our, this is our deep desire and our deep prayer for the church. That, that for the good of us, for the good of people, you'll think about this. Can I just say this real quick? Think about what it would mean to your family. Even if you're like, mm, Think about what it would mean to your family, your spouse, to your children, to your in-laws, if you were a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. Do you think that would make their lives better? Yeah. Think of what it would mean to you if you were like, you know what, I have lived a long time. I have been in church a long time, but I have never like said, I really, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Think of how that would impact your life. Do you think your life would be better? Sure, in some ways, yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to overstate the case here, but think about the people that you work with, the people in your community. If you were fully engaged in this process of being and developing disciples, do you think that would make a difference for the people around you? Yeah, absolutely. So this is what it's all about, folks. This is where we are. This is what we want everything to be about, uh, is developing disciples of Jesus Christ. This is what we want our church to be about. There is no higher go- calling. There's no higher goal. This is it. And so if you want to be reminded every once in a while, like, well, go back to Matthew chapter 28 where Jesus said, I declare all authority, all authority on heaven and on earth to make this statement. You go make disciples. And you know who those disciples are? It's us. It starts with us. And then it starts with us engaging the world around so Jordan and I are going to be out down the hallway. We're going to be ha- we have these bracelets if you want one. If you don't want one, don't take one. We have these magnets if you want one. Uh, if you don't want one, just be polite and take one anyway. That'd be nice. But we're going to pray, uh, and we are, we are asking God to, to, to transform us through this prayer. And if you're in the room, you're part of this. <laughs> you're part of it. Better get up and leave quick before I say this prayer, because you're part of it. You're in it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we are grateful to be able to be here uh, and to think about what it means to develop disciples, to think about what it means to to be a follower of yours and and to be fully engaged in that process. Lord, I know there's people who still maybe have questions, who are still on the fence, maybe people who are still exploring their faith to some degree, who still have doubts and still have struggles. Lord, I pray that they would understand that this is a safe place to go through that process, but that we want everyone to be like you. We want to do our job well. Uh, And we want to honor you through what we do. And so, God, I pray that you would bless this process, that you would bless this church. We know that you will because we know that we are acting in accordance with what you have called your followers to do. Lord, help us develop disciples. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.